G'day and welcome to the show. This show is called On The Road. Why it's on the road? Because we're on the road together. We get to go out in our caravans, our motorhomes, our camper trailers, our tents. We get to see this great country together. So we're on the road getting out there and doing it. And it's just a fabulous time to get out there and do it, isn't it? And we can get to see most of our nation now too. So if you want to get more about the show, then you can go on to our Facebook page. Give it a like. It's called On The Road Media. So go to Facebook, On The Road Media, and you'll be able to give that a like. If you want more shows, then you can go on to ontheroadmedia.com.au. That's our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And there's a whole bunch of shows on there. So if you're touring around and you're thinking, oh, what can I listen to now? Hey, there's a whole bunch of shows on there for you. So if you're ready, I'm ready. We're on the road together. Let's do it. G'day, it's Scott Gibbons, and it's great to be on the road with you. And this week, we're going to talk about some of the things that you should do before you hit the road and some of the things you should do when you're on the road, because weather conditions such as wind and rain and snow and the road irregularities that will often affect your acceleration, your braking and the normal driving forces. Uh, when you're driving along, there's a lot of vibrations, there's physical forces that your vehicles will encounter, and that can cause a, a, <laughs> a whole bunch of things to move or loosen or even wear. So there's a few things to be uh, aware of, if you like. And one of the most important, one of the really most important is to check your tyre inflation and your wheel nuts. So you'll probably have it in your owner's manual if you had the vehicle since new. And a lot of people don't even bother to read it, but it's worthwhile reading. And then if you don't know, then of course you can contact our friends at boldtcrc.com.au, boldtcrc.com.au, and they will help you. They'll guide you on, on what things you should be aware of as far as what tyre inflation and whatnot. So, uh, and if you need the vehicle serviced, this is your, your whatever you're towing, this is your camper trailer or your caravan, or your boat trailer or whatever it be, they will help you. They can give it a super butte service for you. So one of the tools you might need to carry with you though is a torque wrench so that you'll be able to properly check your wheel nuts uh, when you stop at a, at a servo or a rest area or whatever it be. So just to make sure that they are good. And on new units, uh, if you've got something new when you're on the road, you might want to stop after about three or 400k and just check again that your wheel nuts are, are seating properly. And another thing, of course, is to check it is your tyre inflation because you can use a tool that you should carry is a tyre inflation gauge, a tyre pressure gauge. So the, the digital ones, they're really good. They've got a readout and some of them have a, a light at night that are really good. And the quality ones might even have an extra light to show you the valve stem in the dark, but you've probably got a torch with you anyway. But there are a couple of little jobs that you should do just as you're driving along just to pull in because there's nothing worse than something going wrong. And you know when something goes wrong, you know, you go, oh, I should have checked that. I should have checked it. So if you've got that little checklist, it'll make such a difference for you. And something else to keep an eye on, and this one is vital, 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 is the heat of your hub assembly. So uh, th that's the centre part of your axle. So um, you'll find that the bearings, the bearings are moving all the time. They've got to move freely. And the easiest way to get an indicator of a problem is to use an infrared thermometer. So you just aim it at the centre of the hub. You know, we're going through COVID at the moment. You want to go into a restaurant or you want to go in somewhere and they check your temperature. They hold the little wand up to your head and they go zap and it tells you the temperature. Same thing. It's one of those same sorts of things. So you just aim it at the hub, which is the centre of your wheel, and it'll give you a temperature reading. So all of if you've got four wheels, then all of those four hubs should be around about the same sort of temperature. 
But if one's dramatically hotter than the others, then that's an indication that you've got a, a bearing problem or a hub problem, and you've got to get that attended to pretty quickly. Now, you can pick up uh, your, your little motoring shops. They will all have the thermometer for you. So if you go, I think uh, super cheap at the moment, have got them for just under $60. So there you go. The other thing you ought to check, of course, is your tyre wear. You know, you've got to look for irregular wear patterns on your tyres, such as, you know, if you're scrubbing it from one side or scrubbing it from the other, if the wear is uneven, that's an indicator that you might have a running gear problem. And if you've got a running gear or a tyre problem, that can cause a blowout. Now, you might think, well, it's a blowout. That's a tyre. I can handle that. Yeah, True. But if you've ever seen a blowout, that can cause immense collateral damage because that can affect the side of your of your whatever you're towing. Uh, it can affect the mouldings. It can affect your holding tanks. It can affect your wiring. Oh by golly, it's not good. Apart of from uh, maybe affecting somebody else that's overtaking or behind you or whatever. So you know it's best to check your tire wear. Good thing to do. And the next thing to check is your is your lighting system to make sure that you've got your uh, your pins and everything connected. You've got everything connected properly. Your breakaway switch is connected properly. Like some people have their breakaway switch, but it's too tight. So inadvertently, they can pull their brakes on without even knowing it. And then you're wearing out the brakes on whatever you're... Oh, not good. Not good. So check those components. Check that your chains are the right sort of length, that sort of thing. It's all good. And if you've got a new unit, then you know, your first couple of trips out, you've got to do all of these things to make sure that, that you are used to and comfortable with it. Because, you know, you're towing a big piece of gear and it's, it's going to flex and it's going to move and, you know, some things can come ajar. So make sure your electrical uh, hatches, make sure your, your skylights, make sure your windows, all of those things are closed. Your step is up. Make sure your step is up. <laughs> Make sure your TV aerial is down. Those sorts of things because they sound so simple. They sound so simple. They're out of they're out of sight. They're out of mind. And and so you think, well, and that's why you've got to have that checklist. You know, we talk about having a checklist. That's why you have it. So when you get into your tow vehicle and maybe your co-pilot says something like, did you put the TV antenna down? And you say, oh, I think so. <laughs> that's not good enough. It's not good enough. You've got to get out of the car again, go and make sure, and then you make sure that it's on your checklist and you go through that checklist and you tick it and you check it and you do all those things. So the most common problems, you know, the, as I mentioned, your breakaway switch, that's one. Your power plugs, that's one. Your entry steps, that's one. But checking your brakes, checking your bearings, oh, major, major, major. So you know, if you're looking for a present for Father's Day, if you're looking for a present for Mother's Day, if you just want a present for yourself, if you're going shopping, then, then you know, get yourself the, the temperature gauge so you can check that your hubs are okay because without them, you're going nowhere. And I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> I can tell you that for a fact. So make sure that you do it right. So that's now on, on my little list for you. So we said if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Hey, what about if we have a song for you, Out of Mind, Out of Sight? by the models. You'll enjoy this. Out of mind, out of sight. Here's the models. Hey, I'm Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. Gee, it's good being on the road with you. It's good being on the road anytime. But here we go. Here's the models.
Marie. Oh, yeah, that was the models out of the 80s. Big hit for them, big hit. And they're doing a lot of, well, they were before this COVID thing came in, helping a lot of charities. The Charity Challenge is one that I've seen them at, and they are just generous, generous. Oh, terrific act, terrific act. Now, your fridge. <laughs> Let's talk about your fridge because we're back on the road. We're allowed to be out there, but it's not much fun if you don't have a fridge. And, and you've got to say that, that if you have a caravan or a motorhome or a camper trailer or even your four-wheel drive, chances are, chances are you've got a fridge in there. And if, if the fridge isn't doing what it's supposed to do, then that's a problem. And one of the things you've got to be aware of is that there's five common things that can cause, a, a if you like, your RV fridge to fail. So one of those is if you don't read the owner's manual, you've got to be familiar with the appliance uh, because otherwise it's not going to do the things that you want. Now, one of the things is that an RV fridge, and we're talking about something in your caravan or your motorhome now, uh, they have to be dependent on being pretty close to level to work properly because your fridge is, it's dependent upon heat. Now, this sounds funny, but your fridge is depends on heat and the proper flow of its refrigerant. So unlike your residential fridge that uses one chemical for refrigeration, an RV version uses a solution generally, generally of ammonia, hydrogen, water, and sodium chromate. And that's heated to the boiling point and then cooled to absorb the heat from the food storage area. So the heat's provided by an electric element or your gas flame. So the design, it, it's ages old. It was commonly used before the advent, if you like, of electric compressor fridges and modern refrigerants. However, the physics has to do a lot with the proper operation. And while the cooling unit design has been fine-tuned over the years, it's still dependent on being comfortably level to operate, level. And that's within a tolerance of around about three to six degrees front to back and side to side. So three degrees side to side and about six degrees front to back. So when, you know, when people say, oh, you, mate, you've got to level up properly, it's not just leveling up properly so that you're comfortable, your fridge has got to be comfortable too because if the fridge is operated off level, this is when it becomes really, you've got to listen to this, then the heating of the boiler is uneven and that creates hot spots where the sodium chromate can begin to precipitate out of the solution form crystals or flakes in the solution and once they're formed the flakes remain and then they can create a blockage now once the blockage forms the cooling unit becomes damaged it's got to be replaced and that is not a cheap thing to do so there you go so preventing that you can do it simply by leveling your rv to a comfortable position so a proper posture if you will requires that the floor of the freezer be relatively level and that can be checked with a small bubble level you know your little spirit level so you can use that and and it it may not be possible to achieve a perfect position but if the bubble is in the half of the center of the bullseye then the refrigerator will likely likely perform properly but the best the best tip it's best to turn the refrigerator off when parking temporarily on an unlevel surface. So, so if you've gone to a shopping site or you've gone to sightseeing or whatever and you're not parking level, then it's probably best just to turn your fridge off. It'll stay cold, but turn it off and then turn it back on again when you come back. So for, for the refrigerator to operate properly and avoid damage, it must be in a, in a really comfortable level. So there you go. Now, the same thing can happen if your fridge is not kept, 
if you take your fridge down the snow, for instance, so it's really, really cold, if you drop down to around about, again, uh, six degrees minus, minus six degrees Celsius, it's likely that your fridge is not going to be happy because it's now colder on the outside than it is on the inside. And that means that you're going to have a problem, another problem. According to Dometic, who's a major supplier of absorption refrigerators to the RV industry, in temperatures below about oh, three to six degrees Celsius, the refrigerant may get so cold that it begin to gel up and not flow through the coils as intended. So the heat applied to the gelled refrigerant will be uneven, much like when running on a, an unlevel condition, and, and it can then solidify, which will damage your cooling unit, and as a result, the company then advises customers not to use the fridge when it's below about 3 to 6 degrees minus, let alone in, in sub-zero temperature. So, you know, you've got to be aware. So if, if it's colder outside than it is in your fridge, <laughs> hey, uh, don't use your fridge. They're easy. And it's probably going to just say just as cold anyway. So Dometic refrigerators have got low ambient temperature control that helps them to continue operating in cold conditions, but not below what, what we just talked about. So there you go. So uh, it's best to close off uh, and and make sure. So if, if the tip is, if you must consistently operate a refrigerator in icy conditions, then a compressor-powered refrigerator might be more desirable. There you go. So And then the next thing is to make sure that your house batteries are properly maintained because the very foundation of an RV's electrical system is your battery bank. And RVs are built with, with a 12-volt DC, which is a direct current electrical system that powers the lighting and the igniters and your circuit boards and so on. So the RV refrigerator won't run without the 12-volt DC power, even when plugged in. So as, as with any RV appliance that malfunctions, diagnosis always begins, <clears throat> pardon me, with verifying that the energy sources are correct, including uh, your, your LP gas and your proper electrical voltage. So... There you go. There's a couple of things to do. So it's just best to maintain everything properly, have your batteries in good condition, and make sure. So a good thing to do is to use your refrigerator thermometer that will record your highs and lows. We just talked about having a thermometer for your for your uh, hubs. And now you can have a different thermometer for your refrigerator, and that might be a good thing to do. So And you've got to make sure that your fridge is properly ventilated as well. So if it's not ventilated properly... That's a problem. So always check the back of the, the vent. The vent is on generally on the, the outside of your caravan or your motorhome or whatever. So check those vents to make sure that you don't have any wasp nests or piled up leaves or anything that's gone in there or you know spiders webs that they've decided to because that will that will um, inhibit the amount of breathing, the amount of venting that happens. So if the fridge isn't operating properly in hot weather, you could consider adding a fan kit to the back of your fridge, just a fan kit to the back of the fridge. So, but maintain your fridge as the manufacturer asks you to do, which means reading it. <laughs> so best thing to do is you keep the interior in the back of the fridge clean. That's very important. The plastics inside the fridge can hold odours and they can get grungy over time. So the real issues are mould and mildew and that can be a health hazard. So when your trip's over, empty your fridge, turn it off, clean it, Clean your fridge, you know, use some cleaning stuff that's good, that's recommended. Leave the doors open so that it can defrost and dry. And once everything's dry, then you can secure the doors open with the holder open locks. 
So, you know, don't just, don't shut your fridge when you're not using it. Don't shut the fridge. Leave it open so it, it still can breathe. So everything's fine there. So if that's all good, then that's all good because you don't want to go away and not have a fridge, do you? You just don't want to go away and not have a fridge. That would be like going to a pub with no beer, wouldn't it? If you went to a pub with no beer, that would be just as bad. I think Slim Dusty's going to sing that for us right now. Are you ready? Okay, here's Slim Dusty for you, pub with no beer. You enjoy it. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. This show is called On the Road. And don't forget, you can go onto our Facebook page, which is On the Road Media, or go onto our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au. It's great being with you. Here's Slim Dusty for you right now. Oh, it's a lonesome away from your kindred and all By the campfire at night, we'll hear the wild dingoes call But there's a nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer Now the publican's anxious for the quota to come And there's a faraway look on the face of the bum the maid's gone all cranky and the cook's acting queer Oh, what a terrible place is a pub with no beer Then the stockman rides up with his dry, dusty throat He breasts up to the bar and pulls a wad from his coat But the smile on his face quickly turns to a sneer As the barman says sadly pub's got no beer Then the swaggy comes in, smothered in dust and flies He throws down his roll and rubs the sweat from his eyes But when he is told, he says, what's this I hear? I've trudged fifty layman miles to a pub with no beer Now there's a dog on the veranda, for his master he waits but the boss is inside, drinking wine with his mates He hurries for cover, and he cringes in fear It's no place for a dog, round a pub with no beer And old Billy the blacksmith, the first time in his life Why, he's gone home cold sober to his darling wife he walks in the kitchen, she says, you're early, Bill, dear But then he breaks down and tells her, the pub's got no beer Oh, it's hard to believe that there's customers still But the money's still tinkling in the old ancient till The wine dots are happy, and I know they're sincere When they say they don't care if the pub's got no beer so it's a lonesome away from your kindred and all By the campfire at night, we'll hear the wild ingles call But there's a nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of that pub with a no Oh, Slim Dusty, yeah, so good. You know, that song was done in about 1957 and was Australia's first international hit. So it, it charted in, in the UK and charted all the way around the place. Just fabulous. And Slim Dusty, as you know, you've got, well, you may know, you've got the Slim Dusty 
uh, Kempsey Festival. That's generally on in September, but I think it's going to be September 21 now. And then the, the facility that they built, the Slim Dusty Centre that they built, it's so good. So if you get a chance to go there, I would take that chance. It's at Kempsey and, and that's in New South Wales. Just fabulous. Yeah, one of the other fabulous things you've got to be doing because you might have a little bit of time on your hands, you might, especially if you're in Victoria, you might, is cleaning your RV, cleaning your, your mobile home, cleaning your caravan, cleaning your tent, cleaning your camper trailer, whatever it be, because if you've got it, and it's clean and ready to go and sorted, then that's a big win. So you've got to say, well, what can you do? Well, you've got to, you've got to declutter it. So uh, Marie Kondo, you know, you might have been watching her on TV, uh, and she talks about decluttering homes and things like that, and there is no difference to decluttering a home to decluttering maybe, maybe, your mobile home. So it's called the KonMari method and it's just fabulous so basically what you do her technique is not to just randomly toss out stuff but to ask yourself does it spark joy so if it sparks joy then that's that's a beautiful thing so you might have a look at all the random things that you've got but you've got to you've got to do it and do it properly so when when you're decluttering using her method it's to gather up all your similar items and put them together in one place. And that allows you to see how much of similar items you're actually carrying around. So the KonMari method for your RV is to wait for some nice weather, drag everything out of your RV, go through your cupboards and your cabinets and under the bed and all the little storage areas you've got, and then group the items by category uh, on a table or in your driveway or on a tarp or in your garage, whatever it be, make sure it's good weather. <laughs> and, and make sure you don't have any, any garage people come by who want to start your garage sale off for you just because you're doing it. And then you start with one category. So she recommends starting off with clothing. So you pick up each item and you ask yourself, have you used it, say, in the last six months or have you used it in the last year? Or if, you, if you're lucky enough, to do a few trips a year, then you ask yourself if you used it in the last six or eight trips. And if not, then you put it in a pile and that's to be gone. So you might give that to charity. Uh, you might work out what you're going to do with it. So you put all the items that you intend to keep together and then you revisit those later. So then it's time for a little bit of elbow grease. So you get out all your cleaning supplies like your bucket and your hose and your hot water and your washcloths and your towels and and maybe some music or maybe a podcast of this show so you can listen to other podcasts. And then that'll make the time go a little bit faster. And then you do a total clean of all the nooks and crannies of your RV. And then scrub out the bathroom if you've got one. And around the doors and around the windows and wash out the cabinets and scrub the walls down. And vac if you've got carpet, vacuum the carpets, clean the upholstery. And if you can, uh, you sanitise your black. If you've got a black tank, use your black tank, clean that out. Uh, your grey tank and of course your fresh water tanks and maybe even your hot water service and especially so that you're starting your, your next trip with an absolute clean slate, a pristine vehicle and then you declutter all the other items that you that you may have forgotten about. So uh, you, know, you take it, maybe you, you uh, do the, the fluid change if you've got a mud home then you change the fluids and the filters and all the things like that. You replace your spark plugs, maybe you change your belts. Uh, have the engine checked, all of that sort of stuff. Make sure your auxiliary batteries and your batteries are working on your radio. So if you've got a if you've got a transistor radio, say, 
then make sure that your batteries are working in that and your torches and the other safety gear that you've got. And, and you've got rid of all the clutter. And if you've got any um, outdated rego papers or insurance papers and things, maybe you don't need to take those with you. Maybe you just need the current ones. Uh, but you may need, and this is the good thing to have, is your instruction manuals for your appliances. And most of those you can download off the web now. So you can update those, have them all in one folder, all into one location. They're not scattered all over the place. Take a look at your keys. Uh, you know, you're carrying around too many keys. Do you not have enough keys? Do you need to make duplicates? Uh, are they kept in a safe location? And then you've got to go back and look at those keeping items that we said you're going to keep and then go back to. And that can include your kitchenware and your clothing, your towels and your sheets and anything that's specifically related to your, your rig. And then give them all a good dusting or a washing. Create modules that hold like items together. This is so clever. So you pack them into appropriate bags or holders or organisers. And that can include your bathroom kit. So that can be used then in your RV. Or if you're going to the amenities block, then it's already packed for you. So you just picked it up and done. So you're not having to load up and unload. It's already done for you. Uh, have a lot of things in a waterproof folder that hold your loose papers and your maps and your rego and all the things like that. Maybe a small box that holds your spices and your condiments. That um, you know those things that need to be moved. If you're having an outdoor cooking rather than just indoors, then all of those things are in one little section. So you just lift up that little box, and all of those things can go straight out to your picnic table. And it's sorted. You're not having to do a dozen trips in and out with the tomato sauce, and then you've got to go back and get. Um, the barbecue sauce and all that sort of everything sorted so you use modules to contain things like your jumper cables uh, and your random boxes of food and your loose tools and your supplies and all those things so it's all sorted and now that it's all clean if you want to you can give it a wash and everything's ready to go so you know you can decorate it if you want to you can do anything but when you start your next trip everything's going to be sorted is that clever i think that's clever i think that is so what you've got to do is step back have a look at all the work you've done. Be super, super happy. Work out, have a look at what you're giving to charity or giving away to somebody else. That's nice. So just step back, have a little look. And if you're going to have a step back, then you're going to have Johnny Young, haven't you? So here's Johnny Young and step back. Hey, enjoy this. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. We're on the road together. We're on the road all the time. So go to our Facebook page, which is On The Road Media. Go to our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And, oh, next week, next week, got to tell you, no, not next week, tonight, tonight, oh, so exciting, John Williamson is going to be on with Phil C. So John, the John Williamson is going to be on there, and, and Phil C is going to be interviewing him, asking questions, doing all the things, talking about his, new, oh, he's got this new pack out, this new pack, you've got to hear about this new pack, it's fabulous. So you can call Phil C if you've got a question for John, one three hundred four nine four nine double eight. One three hundred four nine four nine double eight, and he'll be talking to John Williams. I can't wait. I think that's just going to be terrific. And don't forget Jailhouse Rock with Steve Head. That's Tuesdays between nine and midnight. If you love Elvis, oh, who doesn't love Elvis? Then you got to do that one. And what about Maruti? Step back. Here we go. Step back with Johnny Young. Let it rip. Step back, step back a little, you're falling in love. Step back. 
Johnny Young and Step Back. Now, Trina and Ray Morris, they did this beaut article in Caravan and Motorhome a little while ago about the southern Flinders Rangers. That's the southern Flinders Rangers. So when you hear the, the words Flinders Rangers, then you, you think of the ancient and the rugged mountains and the arid, rocky valleys around Wilpena Pound. But there's a whole different story to the Flinders, the, the region known as the southern Flinders Rangers, where the South Australian outback kisses the Spencer Gulf. And it's an amazing touring region. It offers travellers a, a truly astonishing range of touring opportunities because of its unique diversity from the landscapes under the wheat and the ghost towns in the drier north to the serene coastal fishing towns in the west and the fertile livestock and vineyard enterprises in the rolling green hills of the region southeast. So there's countless historic towns. There's many with significant railway heritage and museums to visit. There's dramatic landscapes that abound with national parks and conservation reserves to explore on foot by four-wheel drive if you prefer or by bike if you prefer that. And there's fantastic places to stay. Uh, you've got terrific laid-back country folk ready to share their stories and make your time in the Southern Flinders absolutely memorable. And the secrets of the Southern Flinders, they're a perfect example of why we all need to slow down and spend a little more time in one place getting to know the land and getting to know its people. So the Wandlata Outback Centre, that's Wadlata, W-A-D-L-A-T-A, Outback Centre, is it's the ideal place to, to start your Port Augusta encounter. So the staff uh, know the Southern Flinders Ranges region inside out, and there's a massive extension to the building which houses an incredible experience, the Tunnel of Time. And once you pass through the gigantic jaws of a reptile, which <laughs> if you've got kids with you, they'll love that, you can journey for hours through an interpretive evolution of the Flinders Ranges and outback South Australia. So the Arid Lands Botanic Gardens, they're a, a must-visit destination. That's set on 250 acres on the northern outskirts of Port Augusta. And as you've got walking tracks and they meander through group plantings of, or plantings of arid zone vegetation and dotted with quirky sculptures and bird hides and um, interpretation signs that explain the unusual plants and the visitor centre offers you guided tours as well. And not far away, the spectacular Matthew Flinders lookout. Now, the man himself, Matthew Flinders, he stood there in 1802 and he named a stack of prominent geographical features within view and it overlooks the immense orange-red cliffs 
at the tip of Spencer Gulf on the northern edge of Port Augusta. Oh, this is going to be so good. You, you better get your pencils out because there's so many good things to talk about here. You're going to get stunning views of the Flinders Ranges. The lookout parking area is next to the Botanic Gardens. It's got plenty of room for your caravan as well. And far below the lookout, the gentle progress of the vessels from the Flinders and Outback water cruisers, well, they can be seen floating past as they explore the top of the gulf. And the tour is rich in wildlife and scenic beauty and an excellent Port Augusta experience. And then you can go port to port. So the coastal strip of the southern Flinders region from Port Augusta to Port Pirie. It's focused on the laid-back seaside life. So if you've got an exploration of the Spencer Gulf Coast, that's a must. So if you're a nomad and you've got your rod and you've got your reel, oh, you've got to do it. And it's an incredible comparison to the arid northern parts of the same region where tumbleweeds blow through deserted stone ruins. So Port Pirie, it's got a great beachside caravan park. It's an ideal location for you can explore the whole um, southern inland regions of Napaby, Talawi, uh, Port Germain, uh, the fishing, the crabbing, the paddling at Waruna Island, the Crystal Brooks famous pasties at <laughs> Mary Antiques, and it's just fabulous. So the Wirrabarra produce markets and the historic jail at Gladstone. Uh, so if you're a nature lover, you're, you're just going to love it. It's going to be a terrific spot. Then you can have a quick dash north. So if you want to go to the Flinders Ranges National Park, far to the north, it, it's, you've got to do it. So you, you take a day trip there. To, you've got a delightful town called Quorn, Q-U-O-R-N, Quorn. 30K, northeast of Port Augusta. And like so many places in the southern Flinders, it's, it's just a quaint town with charm and historic streetscapes and dramatic surrounding countryside. And you've got, it's just, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. And some say the crowning glory of Quorn is a ride on the Pitchy Ritchie Tourist Railway. It's the iconic coffee pot locomotive. So there's two tours. There's a scenic 33k day trip between Quorn and, and Port Augusta, or you can do the 18k half day trip to the Warshed Flat. So there you go. But you've got beautiful valleys from Port Augusta. You can trek through to the southeast to the lovely settlement of Wilmington. And that's a productive agricultural area. It was originally named Beautiful Valley. And the grand vista of Wilmington Splendour, you can appreciate that from Mount Maria Trail and Hancock's Lookout. Uh, and, and then you get a visit, if you want to, to the spectacular Alligator Gorge uh, in Mount Remarkable National Park. That's about 20 k south. And Mount Remarkable is geographically placed at the heart of the Southern Flinders Ranges region. It's just pulsating beauty. So... You've got some beautiful things there, beautiful, beautiful things. After European settlement, the Mount Remarkable area was farmed by graziers, so ruins of pastoral homesteads and huts and relics and fence lines, you can still see them. And there's numerous picnic facilities there available. Uh, Melrose was proclaimed in 1853. It's the oldest town in the Flinders Ranges, and it, it sits on the park's eastern doorstep. Melrose is a, a mountain biking mecca, so if you've got your mountain bike with you, there you go. Uh, there's a free camp there, you've got the showground, you've got the caravan park, you've got it all. And then of course you've got the road east, so the eastward journey from Wilmington, you can go to Uruuru. So that's O-R-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-R-O-
the northeastern of the southern Flinders. There you go. Uh, and it's a popular tourism destination. Uh, it's about three hours north of Adelaide. It's got a wonderful 1880s heritage charm. And then you've got the giant red gum at lovely Pekina Creek. And that's reputably uh, the, the South Australia's most magnificent red gum. So you've got to have a look at that. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And then there's there's Aboriginal rock carvings and, and you've got so much. So you're, you're not going to be stuck for things to do. If you want to go train spotting, you can do that. There's no mistaking Peterborough's railway heritage. It's geographical location, halfway between Sydney and Perth and close to Adelaide and Wyala and Broken Hill. It led it to become the crossroad of all the major transcontinental rail routes. So the town's key role as a regional maintenance and service centre for South Australia's railway rolling stock Maybe long gone, but Peterborough, uh, it's just, it, it's preserved its heritage. So, you know, it's got its eye on the tourist ball as well. So you might as well go and have a look at that. It's an RV-friendly town. So you've got the sports ground, exploration's easy. So, yeah, you've got so much to do. So Peterborough, you'll love it. I think you should put that on your little list. And then uh, there's a fabulous range of locomotives and freight and sleeping carriages and dining and lounge cars and equipment and train memorabilia and it's all there so the steamtown tours they're off an excursion to australia's rich railway heritage so oh hey you gonna do it i think you gotta do it you gotta do it <laughs> why not so if you're gonna be happy then you might as well be happy i think that's south australia south australia is just a magic place, don't you reckon? I think it is. South Australia is just magic. So there you go. The Southern Flinders Rangers, you should do that. Now, coming up with Phil C is John Williamson. And do you know one of the songs that John Williamson sings, which I think is just terrific, is Bound for South Australia? So you might as well be bound for South Australia. I think we should all be bound for South Australia. But John Williamson, did. he did this in about... Oh, when did he do this? He did this in about 1983. So, and his voice hasn't changed. It's so good. Here we go. John Williamson, bound for South Australia. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. This show is called On the Road. We're on the road together. I think that's terrific. I love being with you. And thanks for your feedback. The feedback that comes through is so good. We really appreciate it. Thanks for looking after us. Thanks for looking after our sponsors. Here comes John Williamson. In South Australia, I was born South Australia round Cape Horn We're bound for South Australia Saw my lady on the quay, heave away, haul away. The tears began as she waved to me. We're bound for South Australia. Heave away, you ruler kings. Heave away, haul away. Heave away, or hear me sing. We're bound for South Australia. Well, I wish I was in a foreign land. Heave 
Oh, yeah, John Williamson. Oh, magic, magic. And he's going to be on Phil C. I know I've told you, but he's going to be on Phil C today between four and six. So whatever station you're on now, you just stay there because between four and six, you can find out all about John Williamson because he's going to be talking to you one-on-one. He's going to be talking to Phil one-on-one. And if you've got a question, one 888 you just talk to Phil C and he will make something happen, even give you a record if you want. I reckon that would be terrific. Now, speaking of terrific, where are we going to go? Well, an Outback Queensland adventure. I think that sounds terrific. And 4x4 Australia and Kev Smith did a beaut thing on the Outback Queensland Odyssey. They headed to Winton in far western Queensland to check out part of the Dinosaur Trail. (gasps) The Dinosaur Trail. It's known around the world as the Dinosaur Capital of Australia. And there's actually four parts to the trail. And two are located in Winton, which is about 1150k west of Brisbane. And the other two are further north at Richmond and Hewarden. So the Australian Age of Dinosaurs is... is, there's a museum there called the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum. It's about 25k southeast of Winton. It's got the largest display of Aussie dinosaur bones in the world. Plus, you can check out the lab where the bones are cleaned for display. And the other Winton spot is Lark Quarry, and it's about 110k southwest, where you can see impressions of dinosaur footprints in mud from a stampede that occurred millions of years ago. Now, there's plenty. Plenty of fascinating history in the Winton Shire, and unofficially, it's the gateway to the far western Queensland area and beyond. So if you want to spend some time there, then you can check out Winton on foot. There's a couple of caravan parks within walking distance of town, and you can find a couple of terrific old pubs that date back to around about 1895, and there's Arno's Wall, which is a huge man-made wall with quirky stuff cemented into it, including a kitchen sink. Well, you've got to have a kitchen sink, haven't you? And, of course, there's the Walsing Matilda Museum and there's various Opal stores and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So you head 120k south of Winton and you'll find the working Opal Mines and the town of Opalton. Opalton, which is steeped in history, still offers the chance to find a little colour if you search in the right places. And being so remote, you'll need to stock up in Winton Because there's no phone service, there's no fuel, you've got to carry enough for about 400k. Uh, There's not really any shops, and for the majority of the loop, there's really no help of any kind. So if you're self-contained, you're a winner. So the tar ends about 10k out of Winton, and the rest of the drive to Opleton is on white, wide, wide dirt roads. And the countryside is flat, 
It's got the occasional jump or rise, so you get a, a bit of a view, and, and then you've just got millions of corrugations. But the scrub consists of low mulga trees and scatterings of silver-leafed ironbark across the plains and strands of Mitchell grass covering the ground, so it's just terrific. George Craig found the first opal there back in 1888, and a few years later, the first mine was sunk. And at that time, a piece almost, are you ready for this? You ready? Three metres long was found there. Three metres of opal. It was shaped like a section of pipe. And by 1900, there were more than 600 people living in Opalton. And it was known for its quality and quantity of opal. So that's terrific. That today, the town's dwindled to just a handful of what they call tough men and tougher women, I would say, who are still searching for that payload. So Opalton's also known for its boulder opal, which forms in an egg-like shape over time. Minerals pass through the shape to form an opal colour on the inside. So other than a few shanty shacks and some old relics, there's not a lot. But camping at the Opalton Bush Camp, uh, that's not going to cost you a lot of money to stay there. And everybody collects firewood. If there's a few people there, then everybody pitches in, collects the firewood. Somebody will turn on the boiler. You can turn on the boiler and you can get some hot water and whatnot. So that's good. You can you can maybe have a little scratch around as well because there's some areas there where you can still have a little bit of a scratch around and, and search for opal. And you'll also see where the old town used to be situated. There's some unique buildings and the areas in which the current miners are only allowed to use hand tools. So there's no large-scale machinery. And today the old town is just a few relics and signs that point out where things used to be, like where the general store was, where the school was, the butcher shop was, the miners' houses, that sort of thing. To get there today, you need, oh, you need, what's well, a good two hours drive, but they're getting there 130 years ago, that would have been a lot harder. Um, rainfall's not the not their biggest thing. Once a week, the town's 25 or so residents, well, they'll gather at the bush camp for a weekly mail run, a general get-together. I don't know about COVID now, whether they're all getting together now, but nevertheless, uh, it, it's a close-knit community and, and they might not catch up for more than a week, so... Uh, that's how they find out what's going on. The Queensland Department of Mines set aside a few acres behind the camping area, which allows anyone to have a bit of a noodle. So noodle is looking through the rocks or having a bit of a fossick. And the best way to do that is to have a spray model of water, spray the rocks to see if you can find any signs of colour. And that would be a good thing to do. So after spending a few days in town, uh, you might want to check out the other highlights of the Dinosaur Trail. You head further south towards Opalton Creek, which is the only spot in the area where the use of heavy-duty machinery is permitted in the hunt for opal. So there you go. So you can get some big bulldozers and um, they've got big buckets and you might find some colour there, but they're not going to let you take it. And the road south is, is pretty pretty. That's nice. And an hour south of Opalton, along the Opalton Road, is Mainside Station. That's M-A-Y-N-E. S-I-D-E, Mainside Station, where you can call and explore around the heritage-listed ruins. And from here, you head north towards Winton, and something like a big V-road. It's a trip back in along the Junda Road there. Now, the surrounds, they change from dry to dusty. <laughs> There's not a lot of vegetation. There's some livestock that's been there. And if, you, if you've got a good quality GPS, keep an eye out for where you pass over the Tropic of Capricorn. That's got to be... A highlight, you're passing over the Tropic of Capricorn. I've done that. And there's signs on the road, it's a bit of a quirky spot to stop for a, for a quick snap. And for the next hour's drive to Junda Road, uh, it remains flat. Seems like a never-ending dirt road where the colour around is just red gibber rock under hardened mulga trees. And animal life out there is a bit sporadic, but 
Uh, there you go. You might find a rue. You might find something like that. And after a while, you start to happen upon a few larger jump-up sections where the moisture gathers and the landscape changes to taller trees and what seems like tall grasses, including Mitchell grass, which is high in nutrition for the livestock. And then Lark Quarry Dinosaur Trackways, that's located on the higher ground. It's only a few miles off the main road. That's one of the places that needs to be on your must-see list. It's the only place in Australia where evidence of a dinosaur stampede has been discovered. So it's a commercialised place where you can buy food, coffee <laughs> and cheap souvenirs. So once inside, there's a short video on how the scientists think the stampede occurred. And then you're taken inside a specially built shed where you can view the footprints of the dried mud and volunteers show out um, and, and they share the wealth on the area, what's happening, what about the stampede. It's a great place. If you've got a bit of interest in Australia's historic past or prehistoric past <laughs> where the mega monsters ruled the earth, then you, you might as well go there. I think that would be terrific. So heading out of Lark Quarry up to Winton involves another two hours of rough undulating outback roads where you'll need to find your own comfortable speed. But hey, you might as well have a bit of a an uncomfortable ride, don't you reckon? I mean, we've been having it soft for the last few months with this COVID thing. Everybody's just been sitting around and watching TV and doing stuff, so you might as well get out and see the real Australia. I think that would be terrific. If you're going to do that, that might be like a little bit of a, a hayride. What do you reckon? A little bit of a hayride? What about we have Flying Circus sing hayride to us? I think that would be good. This was released in about 1969. If you haven't heard it for a long time, if you haven't heard it all, you'll love it. It's just got a real, real butte beat to it. So this is Hayride Flying Circus. Hey, it's Scott Gibbons. We're on the road. It's great being on the road with you. Don't forget to go onto our Facebook, On The Road Media. On The Road Media is our Facebook. And if you want some of the podcasts, go onto our website. That's ontheroadmedia.com.au, ontheroadmedia.com.au. And here's Hayride Flying Circus. You're going to love it. See you in a bit.
Uh, hey, Ride Flying Circus. Now, when we talk about Flying Circus, they're Australian. And when we're talking about Australian, there's things that we have to talk about. So, Harris Farm at the moment, they've got a new peanut butter called Ahoy Peanut Butter. That's Chinese. Ritz Biscuits are now made in Indonesia. Bushels Tea, blended and packed, Indonesia. Woolies are now selling cherries from Chile. Uh, there's so many things. Oh, one of them is a microwavable uh, heat pack, which you can buy. It's, it's got a lovely Aboriginal design on it. It's called Australian Indigenous Art Series Made in China. So many things. So what we've got to do, what we've got to do, we've come out of this COVID thing, we've realised that there's a lot of things we can't buy because we don't have manufacturing here anymore. So those manufacturers that are still here, those people that are still in the ring, those Aussies that are still doing it, we've got to support them. We've got to support them. So wherever you can, buy Australian made. And if the product is Australian owned, oh, twice as good. But there's super, super things. I read where some Aussie imports of pork, of pork, is something like around $17 million of pork that we import each week. Now, I went into a supermarket the other day to try and buy Aussie bacon. Aussie bacon. That was hard. That was a real challenge. It was like I would be... It was like they should have been on Survivor. Try and find yourself some Aussie bacon. Anyway, I did find some, and it was in Woolies. But I had to dig through a whole lot of other stuff that came from everywhere else that might have been 10 up to 20% Aussie. But I found something that was about 98% Aussie. So that was terrific. Uh, Tazzle Salmon, T-A-S-S-A-L, is Aussie. Catlux Clumping Litter for your cat, that's Aussie. Uh, what else is, uh, oh, let's see, Pure Tazzy Apple Juice, that's Aussie. Beach Harvest Australian Coconut Chips, Aussie. Olive Oil, we, I mean, we all use olive oil, don't we? Pinaroo and Cobram, they're two Aussie brands. Simpsons Pantry, if you want the large wraps, you can get them at Coles, they're Aussie. But what you've got to do is you've got to look at the kangaroo, look at the pack and see what percentage of Aussie is in there. You're going to be amazed. You're going to pick up some brands that you know, that you know are Aussie. Like you pick up some tin fruit, some jam. And, and you think, I've known that brand forever. And have a look at it and you'll find that that brand is no longer Aussie. So we've got to start doing, if we're going to hit the road, we're going to have a great time, we're going to get out there and see Australia, but we've got to help those other Aussies who are here doing it for us. And if you can join me, I'll give you a website that you can go to, which is just a terrific website. It's actually a Facebook page. It's a Facebook page, and, and it's called Australian Made Products and Services. Australian Made Products and Services. They're on Facebook. I tell you, I, I look at that one every night, and I think, oh, golly, you're kidding me. Like Ritz Biscuits, Indonesian. Bushels Tea, Indonesian. Oh, you can't believe it. And then Harris Farm. I love Harris Farm, but by golly, why would you bring in a Chinese peanut butter? There's Australian peanut butter out there. Let's do that. If we're going to do that... Why don't we have Australian-born, Australian bread? Hey, this is the end of the show for today. I reckon Frankie Davison's going to make us all happy. Australian-born, Australian bread, Frankie Davison. Hey, my name's Scott Gibbons. You go onto our Facebook, which is 
which is On The Road Media. Go onto there, have a little look. Go onto our website, ontheroadmedia.com.au. If you're looking to get your four-wheel drive service, then you go to Rosebury Steering, don't you? Rosebury Steering, Rosebury Steering and Mechanical. They are fabulous. They're in New South Wales, they're in Sydney, they're at Rosebury, and they're wonderful, wonderful people. You can give them a call. I'll give you their phone number. It's 9698 9698-1778. 9698-1778. It's an O2 number. So it's au. You go to them. But if you want your four-wheel drive serviced, they do it for you. They do it. And, they, and they're not expensive. They're really good people. And if you want your draw set, you want to set up the back of your four-wheel drive, you want your drawers, where do you go? Well, we know where to go, don't we? We go to offroadsystems.com.au. That's off roadsystems.com.au. Hey, I've got to see you next week. I'm looking forward to it already. And we're going to find out some more Aussie products for you. We're going to find some more great places to see. And we're going to go to things. And we're going to keep you up to date with what's happening in the world of of motorhomes and caravans and tents and all the things. Whenever we get something good, I'm going to tell you about it. So until then, hey, I'm Scott Gibbons. This is On The Road. See you next week. Tell your friends to listen in and go to our podcast as well. See ya. Takes fire and rain and a whole lot of pain to build a stable working man. And that's the way it's been for me since my spell on earth began. I was born in the land down under, beneath the stars of the Southern Cross. And I've grown to love my country's ways with a pride that's hard to toss. I love the surf and the sun and the outdoor fun and the bushlands and the sea. And the simple joys like a beer with the boys or a bed at the TAB. Just like my dad, I've been football mad since I learned my ABC. I got an eye for sports and real good sorts. It's the only life for me. Cause I'm Australian born, Australian bred. From the tip of my toes to the top of my head. Stick with my covers, thick and thin. And when the going gets rough, I don't give in. I'm Australian born. From the second I get up till the time I go to bed I take great pride in the words I say That's the way I've always stayed I've traveled far to distant lands But no matter where I roam It sure feels good to hang my hat In the land I call my home Cause I'm Australian born Australian bred From the tip of my toes to the top of my head Stick with my covers and thick and thin And when the going gets rough I don't give in I'm Australian born Australian bred From the second I get up till the time I go to bed Stay that way till the day I'm